It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Kick back and relax. It's time for the run home with Kirsten Beef. Welcome back to The Run Home with Kim and Steve. All thanks to McDelivery. McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Great to have you with us this Monday, the 2nd of October. Hope the start of the working week is going well for everyone. Certainly going well for us just at the moment. Here's what's coming up as well on a cracking last hour of the show on our Macca's menu. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Uh, we need to talk in our Take Charge Performer of the Weekend. Paul Moari is here with the TAB update and we review an amazing NRL grand final last night that is coming up for you very shortly thanks to McDelivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door let's get straight this is the run home feature interview thanks to McDelivery Yes, let's get straight into last night's epic NRL Grand Final. Penrith overturning a 16-point deficit with 20 to go to beat the Broncos in one of the all-time great performances. Commentator Costo is with us now from across the ditch. Costo, thank you so very much for your time. We'll go straight into the big question. Is this Penrith era the greatest in history? No, it's not. And I'll tell you why, because for the, for the millennials out there, Kim and Steve, I've got to say this. There was a team called St George after World War II. That's before St George Illawarra was born. Well and truly, they weren't on the radar uh, as we know them today. But St George, they won 11, 11, I kid you not, 11 premierships in a row, 56 to 66. So to put it into perspective, is it the greatest uh, team of the modern era? Well, you'd probably mount a compelling argument for that. South Sydney, they did win five premierships going back in the 1920s, five in a row. So Penrith next year, just summing up, they'll go for four in a row, looking to become the best club side in a long time, obviously, because Parramatta, don't forget, they won three in a row in the early 80s. Last night, the Panthers, they equaled that achievement. First time in 40 40 years. 
Remarkable, remarkable. Like the game, the game last night. I was, just, I, I just still struggle. I like they were, they, they were gone. They had lost the game. The game was mm. over. And uh, yep. Nathan yep. Cleary just does wow. He just that's the performance of a of a like that's he's now he'll be an immortal shortly after that performance. Well, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon there, Steve, and I can understand. I don't talk that, about bandwagons. It... We know all about bandwagons <laughs> over here. Well, well, well I, you know, I'm not sure how New Zealand railways are going, but you know, you could probably set up set up your own company there, running trains everywhere. To, you know, maybe coach and rail. But the, look, get on the bandwagon and be un, un, unapologetic about it. But I would, I just, again, I want to add some perspective to this, and I've come on your program probably to provide that. Nathan Cleary has yet to dominate State of Origin, so he hasn't done the stuff that Andrew Johns become famous for, or Wally Lewis, for example, or even Jonathan Thurston and Queensland with that dynasty. So, and he would be the first to admit that. You know, I mean, Nathan Cleary was a kid in Auckland mm-hmm. when I used to call his father on Sky Television, obviously playing at the Warriors. So, you know, Nathan could remember me as a little boy. Don't forget too, and a lot of your listeners probably unaware of this, blissfully unaware. Nathan Cleary started his rugby league with Mount Albert, the club that gave us the Warriors in the first place. So it's a beautiful connection to New Zealand. It's a beautiful connection to the Warriors. And it's a beautiful story. And don't forget, he is still in his mid-20s with a lot of rugby league to play in front of him. So he could achieve so much more in the game, despite the fact that he has got all these medals, awards, accolades. I think there's a lot more to come. Does that make him eligible for the All Blacks? <laughs> well, he's eligible for the Kiwis, and again, for people like me, no disrespect to let the tyres out of your your car here, but rugby league's the number one game in town. So, what's happened in France, or what's happening in France? Most people here have got very little interest in it. Again, a lot of New Zealanders, their noses go out of joint when I talk like that, because rugby league's part of our pop culture here. Rugby league and AFL go head to head, and Union. I hate to break it to you, Steve. It's a long, distant third, if that at all. Eddie Jones will get it back. He's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> well, good on him. But again, you know, that's not on people's thoughts and radars at the moment. And uh, someone in France, actually, a colleague of mine, raised the question, would he be interested in playing, you know, in the Union World Cup whenever it is? I think Australia's hosting it, I think, in what four years' time. Again, most people in Australia don't follow Union. It's a minority sport played by people who go to rich schools. That's the truth of it. And it always has been. It's not a new concept. And it's probably a bit mind-blowing for a lot of people in New Zealand who think, huh, did he really say that? Well, that's just how it is. Yeah. But coming back to what has been put to me by my colleagues, one of my colleagues in France, he said, oh, you know, would he come and play you know, for the Union World Cup? And I basically said, well, no, he's yet to dominate because he said he's achieved everything. I said, no, he hasn't. He hasn't dominated state of origin. And he's a rugby league man. You know, his first love, in fact, was soccer. That's where Ivan and Beck, the Clearies, Mr. and Mrs. Cleary, his parents got him involved in sport in your country. And then he took up rugby league with Mount Albert, the famous club, as I say, the Mighty Lions, who played an integral role in getting the Warriors off the ground and joining the Winfield Cup back in 95. But look, it's a great story. I've got to say that I have fond memories of the 1989 grand final when the Canberra Raiders came from the clouds to deny Belmain a premiership that it, everyone thought that they would win. But One of Belmain, great games. Well, it was, and it went into Golden Point. Well, it didn't go into Golden Point. We didn't have Golden Point then, but it went into extra time. And obviously, that's part of fairy tale stuff for people who follow the Green Machine and the Canberra Raiders. And they always had a, a great Kiwi connection with people like Sean Hoppy and Brent Todd and others. And, um, you know, Laurie Daly's wife comes from New Zealand, as you may know. So a great connection 
Tim Sheen's always raved on about how much talent was in New Zealand. That's a long, long time ago because he, he, that's going back to when he was at the peak of his powers with Canberra Raiders. But, you know, the Cowboys winning that grand final against the Broncos, which I was at, uh, that was amazing. I remember the try being scored right in front of me in that corner when I turned around to everybody and thought, we're gone. That's the Cowboys. But we somehow won that grand final, a fairy tale premiership then. Newcastle in 1997 when Darren Elbert scored off the back of Magic from Andrew John. So I could go on and on for a lot of people, depending on how old you are, but it's up there with the best of them. And I'm still processing what happened last night because it's pretty surreal. Yeah, obviously a pretty young Brisbane team. Um, yes. Are they going to be able to hang on to the, all of those players? Because, I mean, that's an exceptional backline, right? Like the speed and agility of, of all of them is just beyond anything. Yep. Kim, Steve, that's why I tipped the Broncos to win last night. I actually tipped them with confidence because they had that so much strike power out wide. And they, they, the, the strike power and the, the potency, that's the word, the potency out wide, uh, rekindled memories of those glory days with Willie Kahn and Wendell Saylor on the wing and Steve Ranoff and obviously Kevy playing in the halves alongside Alan Langer. That They were the glory days for the Broncos. So they, they went into the game last night, I think, not uh, frightened of playing Penrith. And they gave it their best shot. I thought they'd done enough to win the game. Ezra Mann, unbelievable player. Mm. Everyone was dancing in the Torres Strait. That's the stretch of water separating Australia's mainland from Papua New Guinea. They would have been absolutely dancing with delight last night. But then it turned from being a fairy tale into a nightmare for the Broncos. Don't forget, Penrith had Western Sydney behind them. Brisbane had a whole state behind them. But I've got to say this, Steve. In answer to your question, keeping players in the modern era, and just comes back to the first question early on, what you said about how does this compare? Back in the St. George, or St. George uh, dominance, sorry, St. George, wash my mouth out, the St. George dominance of 50s and the 60s, when they won 11 straight, there was no salary cap. So teams were stacked. So since the advent of the salary cap and the policing and the integrity and the framework around that, this is unbelievable stuff, what's going on. So... Can Brisbane hold that talent and go one step further? Well, I don't know because i tell you this, Steve. I've said this for years and years, going back to when I called on Sky Television. The NRL has failed to tackle the big issue, and that is rewarding clubs for developing talent. Brisbane developed talent. The Warriors developed talent. Uh, Penrith obviously developed talent. But what happens is there's no reward for developing those players. That's why a player like Stephen Crichton, who's the best centre in the world, proudly Samoan, unbelievable player, Got Samoa to the World Cup uh, final last year, as you know. Unbelievable stats with Penrith, his winning record, his premiership success. He's being shedded by the Panthers because of salary cap constraints. They can't keep him. I think clubs need to be rewarded for developing players because at the moment the system's failing clubs like Penrith and the Broncos. Yeah, they, they say you've got to lose a grand final to win a grand final. And, yeah, I, I, I feel that's why I was going for the Panthers. I just think they're a little bit too much inexperience from the Broncos. But, yeah, if, I mean, if they can hang on to that team for next year when they've, you know, they play a season with that, with, you know, that, that bitter taste in their mouth, I think they're going to be an exceptional team. And you're 100% right. You know, teams with fine talent should be able to hang on to it. Well, it's exactly. You know, it, it, there should be reward for effort. And, and, and that concept, I don't want to sound political. It sounds like a political slogan. In fact, it was used as a slogan going back a, a few years ago. But in terms of professional clubs in this era, there should be reward for effort because I can remember the days of the late Arthur Beetson, 
the late Cyril Connell. They were the talent scouts at, say, the Roosters and the Brisbane Broncos. Um, Jim Jones, you may have seen him. He was among the, the Penrith entourage that came onto the field after the game. He's the head recruitment boss at uh, the Penrith Panthers. Mick Leary was there before him, discovering players like Reese Wesser and others. They used to travel many a mile interstate overseas scouting players, looking for players. And there's got to be reward for developing those players. And, you know, I, I have a personal view. There should be an open season on rugby union players. Rugby league is an amazing product. It's the superior product. I know it's hard to convert people who are stuck in the mud <laughs> with 15 aside, but, Mate, and it's your national sport, it, but I've I got to say... It's a simple game for here, simple men. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, is that right? Well, I'll tell you what, have a look at the numbers. Have a look at the viewership numbers. Have a look at the radio uh, survey results. Have a look at the hits on in cyberspace. Have a look at the crowds. Unbelievable. And the rugby people, they're meeting in a phone box. I, I, yeah, there's a World Cup going on at the moment. Let's talk about the crowds. Well, no, no one knows about it. And no one here oh, knows no about one. it. That's, you know, and in your Mate, country, even Eddie in your Jones country, knows about it. Yeah, he knows about it because he's employed to coach the team, uh, coach a team that is desperate for players, and that's why people like Angus Crichton have been asked to come to Union. He's a rugby they boy. are desperate, for sure, and let him go because there's going to be no loss for rugby league and no loss for the Roosters. And you mentioned about the Broncos losing players. Can they keep the side? Well, they, they're losing players. Like Farnworth's leaving, Flegler's leaving. It's a challenge. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, look, people will say all sport's great. Rugby league's just better. And I've got to say that here, it's the sport of the people. It's very hard for people to understand this. There is a Union World Cup going on in France, but most people here don't give a rats about it. It's That's all about the rugby losing. league and the AFL. That's because you almost right, lost Steve, to Portugal. Stop being Sorry. a wind-up merchant. When you look, though, at uh, the game on this side of the Tasman, Mate. obviously this year has been a massive one for Warriors fans. Correct. Is there... Correct. Is there a world in which you can see the Warriors getting to a stage in the near future where they will be able to take it to a Panthers or a Broncos in the form that we saw both of the, those teams last night? Well, Kim, you need some luck. You do need some luck and a rub of the green to get to a grand final. There's been some amazing players never play in a grand final. I was in country New South Wales uh, recently. I'm still in country New South Wales, and I came through the great city of Goulburn, Australia's first inland city. And the most famous player to come out of Goulburn was Gavin Miller, who played at your beloved Eden Park back in 1988 when New Zealand was on the precipice of turning the rugby league world on its head in that World Cup final against Wally Lewis, a.k.a. the King & Co. It wasn't the Kiwis' day, but Gavin Miller, despite captaining New South Wales and State of Origin and being vice-captain to the King Wally Lewis in that World Cup final, he never, ever got to win a premiership. And many other great players, Andrew Eddingshausen, a pin-up poster boy for rugby league going back into the Tina Turner era. And, of course, her legacy celebrated last night, which was wonderful, no matter whether you thought it was a, a great production or not, to remember Tina Turner and her contribution to the game and those two anthems, which mm. really revolutionised rugby league and took it to another level as a TV product, something that was sexy, ritzy, exciting, uh, brash, bold. And in those days, of course, you know, we were still the professional code the long-time professional code that broke away from union because we wanted our players being looked after and getting a fair go and so that narrative has not changed and that's why today you can go to canberra well you might go to canberra and find a wallaby jersey but you'll find a lot of raiders jerseys you'll find a lot of broncos jerseys 
you know, I'm not saying the Reds and Queensland don't count for much, but you would need someone from the Royal Australian Navy or ADF to pick them up on radar. That's how small they are. Oh, you have got some great lines, Costo. I will absolutely give you that. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you for joining us and adding some very valuable context as well. I think we're all, uh, we all sit there, those of us who watch rugby league and know the background of the Clarys and go, oh, what if, what if we'd kept them? Imagine. Kim, Kim, I'll just sum this up. To all the Warriors fans, you know, that magic carpet ride this year, be proud of it because it, it every year throws up variables and unpredictables. You know, I mean, no one expected Parramatta to make the grand final last year, like Brisbane this year, and then don't make the semifinals the following mm. year. It's a, such an unpredictable competition, and that's one of the great reasons why the TV ratings and the media interest of the hype is unbelievable because of the unpredictability. You don't get that in most other, other professional competitions around the world, regardless of the code, and that's why the, the Cinderella story of the NRL just rolls on. It does indeed. That is Rugby League commentator Costo joining us from across the ditch. Our Macca's feature interview, thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Hey.